It is, it's me, it's TRG, the Ramblin' Gambler. I'm a gambler, and I'll take you by surprise. This is episode 50 of our Casino Combat Podcast, and as I do each and every week, I'm going to attempt to bring unique takes on casino gambling and using skill comps and freebies to live a casino lifestyle and make money. Ladies, non-binary persons, gentlemen, the lion, the witch, and the wardrobe, do not gamble with money you cannot afford to lose. Do not gamble with money you need to pay bills. My past performances are not indicative of anyone's future results, including my own. If you have a gambling problem, contact your local problem gambling hotline. If you do not know how to contact your local problem gambling hotline, send an email to help at casinocombat.com, and we will make that information available to you we will find it we will make sure you have it everything i'm going to share with you in this podcast is based in fact names and dates have been altered to protect the innocent and the guilty minor items unrelated to outcomes may be omitted in the interest of brevity and clarity all right if this is your first time welcome if you've been here before and came back for more even better regardless i'm thrilled that you are here it's kind of you to take the time if you are new I'm all about using over three decades of casino gambling experience to find every possible way to exploit casinos. I'll never tell you that I know it all. I learn new things every day. That's the value of this podcast to me. I continue to learn as a result of doing this. I learn from all of you. But over the years, I may have learned a thing or two that will help you improve your casino gambling results. What shall we talk about today? What can we do to help all of us improve? Well, a listener emailed this week with a very advanced question about Blackjack prior to a trip he's getting ready to take to Atlantic City. I'm going to share that question and my response with you in a questions my son's asked segment. Um, you know what? Since I'm thinking about it, I also got a set of funny or fun questions. It's not going to improve anybody's gambling, but if we're going to do questions, those were fun. We might as well do those too. I'll answer those questions as well. In fact, I'll probably do that set of questions first, just just for fun. Honestly, maybe just for my own amusement, but they were fun. Um, I also have a core concept segment for you, and we're going to take a backwards look at one of the core concepts. This is the point where I normally tell you that I traveled this week, and I gambled, and I have results for you, and we're going to have a travel segment, but I didn't, and I don't. Uh, I actually got ribbed a bit by Gabriel that I was ignoring Casino Wisdom number 81, ABC, always be casinoing. He wasn't entirely wrong, but at the same time, I wasn't exactly not casinoing. I mean, I kept my mind on the grind, even with nothing on the line. I was reading, I was exchanging emails, even looking at roulette a little bit in uh, in simulation. Full disclosure, a combination of work and some uh, family challenges kept me from actually wagering any money this week, which is pretty damn unusual for me, actually. Bottom line, no travel segment this week. Uh, Since Gabriel and I were exchanging casino wisdoms by text, let me remind you that we have an email bot, Fred. If you need a list of all the casino wisdoms and the episode they debuted in, debuted in? Episode where they debuted? The first time I yacked away about it. Look, anyway, if you want that list, send an email to trg at casinocombat.com and put two words, get wisdom, in the subject line. Uh, Fred will send you a link to download the official list as compiled by Inner Circle member, Keeper of Wisdom, third to the ring. Um, And we've been getting some hits on that, folks. Some of you have been requesting that, which is great. Started to see some activity there. Fred's been keeping busy that way. And Fred is very versatile. If you instead put the words slot tactics in the subject line, she will send you a link to download my ebook that shares the slot strategy that I've used to make money, cash money in my pocket each month that this podcast has exhibited 
existed, easy for me to say, except we had that one random bad month. But every other month we've made money that way. Uh, that ebook is free, by the way. I'm not trying to charge you anything for it. To, to finish up the episode, if you enjoy the stories part of this podcast, we will have a VIP lounge segment. I have a story for you about a joke that paid off in a strange and very valuable way for me in Atlantic City. Much like last week's story, this is a joke that went sideways on me, but in my favor this time. But listen up, please, 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 please. If you don't care about the stories, stick around for that segment anyway. Suffer through the story part of it, because the story contains a very tricky little kind of uh, crook technique on the heroes and crooks spectrum that you can use yourself if you decide to in certain situations. So there is a technique kind of hidden in this story, and I'll point it out when we get there. So there's the battle plan for this episode of Casino Combat. Just three segments today. Um, but the question segment's going to be long, detailed, and involve technique. Got some good money management stuff for you. And, uh, and of course, a story that I said also has a, a technique in it. So a lot of information here that you can use to improve your game. Let's get started with questions my sons ask. What? What? My sons ask questions about casino gambling. And listeners ask questions about casino gambling via email and social media. And Billy with the great last name and T-Rex do a great job of handling the social media side of things for me. The links for Instagram, Twitter, and Facebook are at the top of our website, CasinoCombat.com. Combat spelled with a K, of course. And also there's a link to our uh, channel on YouTube. YouTube does have some unique content for you. Uh, in addition to the podcast, I have a playlist called uh, Boot Camp, and Boot Camp is spelled with a K, that covers each of the core concepts in a single individual lesson. Short little bite-sized pieces just focused on each of the core concepts. You can listen to the entire playlist in less than 90 minutes and learn the basic fundamentals of good casino gamblings. I received two questions via email this week. I really enjoyed the first one. It's really fun for me when someone gets a little silly with the creative behind the podcast. This one won't make you better at casino gambling, but I enjoyed it. It's my podcast. It's my microphone. So I'm going to share it with you quickly. And if I'm the only one that enjoys it, well, I wasted a minute and a half of your time probably. Anyway, Jules from Arizona writes, Hey, TRG, I really enjoy the podcast and I feel like I've learned a bunch of stuff from listening, but I have questions that need answers. I really need to know. I hope you'll answer them in the podcast. Here goes. Was your father a gambler down in Georgia? Did he end up on the wrong end of a gun? Were you born in the back seat of a Greyhound bus rolling down Highway 41? <laughs> uh, Jules, thanks for listening and taking the time to email. I appreciate and really enjoy your questions and the spirit in which they were offered. Uh, so since you need to know, let me answer them for you. My father was not a gambler in Georgia or anywhere else for that matter. Gambling was not really an option for him most of his life, and it's not really his thing. He was a salesman selling commercial plumbing supplies uh, when I was growing up, most of his life actually. He did end up on the wrong side of a gun once, however. But uh, they took his money and a, uh, a silver dollar, a valuable silver dollar coin that was a lucky token for him out of his uh, wallet and, uh, but other than that, he wasn't harmed. He wasn't hurt, obviously shaken up and scared. Uh, as for the rest, I was born in a hospital, not in a bus, <laughs> but <laughs> great questions. Uh, probably better than the answers to be honest. Uh, <laughs> all right. On a more serious note, on a much more serious note, on a much more what we normally do note, 
Um, Virginia Casino player Doug emailed me a great question this week. He wrote, Hello, TRG. I'm heading to Atlantic City this week to try out what I have learned from Casino Combat. I wanted to know how you treat surrender in your betting strategy. Do you treat it as a loss or a push in deciding how much to wager on the next hand? Also, if there's anything I can do to help the podcast or any information I can get for you while in Atlantic City, please let me know. <laughs> you know, I, I appreciate the great question. Um, and I appreciate even more the offer to help out. You know, I, I've always said how much this is about building community for me. And, uh, and I really appreciate that. that that's, that's really a nice offer. Uh, Doug and I had a bit of a conversation about this and a bit of a conversation about some things I'd like to know about his trip. But this is such an excellent question that I thought I would discuss the answer here with all of you. Honestly, I've been thinking I should discuss this in a core concept segment uh, since surrender is an option in my home casino, Casino 2, but I was wondering if it was just too advanced or too niche to include in our discussions. Another great example of our community of listeners and allies helping me understand where the content should go. It'll take me a minute or five to actually get to the answer to this question because I want to start at the beginning and understand this rule of blackjack first. I mean, it's obvious that... Um, that from the point of view of asking the questions, it's obvious that he understands surrender, but I want to make sure that all of you understand surrender and understand how it works. Surrender is a rarely used rule that allows the player to fold their hand after receiving two cards and seeing the dealer's up card. They lose half of their original wager and they're out of the hand. And I said rarely used. In this context, rarely used means in most casinos the rule is surrender is not allowed. So, when I say rarely used, I guess I should say uh, rarely allowed. If surrender is allowed, the house may allow early surrender, which is surrendering before the dealer checks for blackjack. And they do that if they have an ace or a 10 value card showing. They'll take a little peek under or use a mirror to find out if they've got blackjack. And some places will allow you to surrender before that happens. Because if they check for blackjack and they have a blackjack, you lose no matter what. So they're really giving you advantage if they allow you to surrender before they even they even check. And, and I'll confess, I've only heard and read about this version of Surrender. I've never actually played anywhere where the, the early version of Surrender is allowed. Not very common, but more common is Late Surrender, in which after the dealer has checked for Blackjack and won, if they have a Blackjack, if they don't, the player may surrender when it's their turn to play. And the way that's done is by using a finger to draw a line behind your wager. Everything in blackjack is, is hand signals so the cameras know what's going on. Like many things in blackjack, playing at a table that allows surrender means printing or memorizing a chart that matches the other rules at the table where you're playing. When you should or should not surrender depends on how many decks are being used as well as if the dealer hits or stands on a soft 17. In some situation, the combination of cards you receive to create your hand is also a factor in correctly playing or surrendering your hand. I'm not going to run through all the variations for each set of rules for each combination of decks. Instead, I'll remind you of Casino Wisdom number 53. When playing blackjack, playing incorrectly on purpose is gambling to lose on purpose. If you gamble in a casino where some form of surrender is allowed, you increase your chances of success by following that casino wisdom, casino wisdom number 53, and going to wizardofodds.com 
and looking up the correct strategy for the exact rules that will be in effect. It's only a few hands that you need to know, a few combinations that you need to remember. And when in doubt, print the correct chart and keep it with you. It's readily available information. I assume you don't want me to read you multiple charts for 10 or 15 minutes because you're probably not going to write them down and you're certainly not going to remember them all. The right answer is play correctly, find the chart, either memorize it or take it with you. Before we move on to the actual question, now that we've got the basics, before we get to that actual question that Virginia Casino Gambler Doug asked, let me walk you through just an easy, simple, basic example of how surrender works in practice. As I said, my home casino, Casino 2, allows late surrender, and all of the, at all of their tables, the dealer must stand on any 17. So when I look up the chart, one portion of the surrender strategy chart that is easy to remember is that on any total of 16 that is not a pair of 8s, you surrender when the dealer is showing a 9 a 10 value card or an ace. So nine, 10 jack, queen, king, or an ace, always surrender. It's just that simple. So if Mrs. TRG and I are playing at our home casino, if we receive a 10 value card and a six, and the dealer has a nine through ace showing, when it's our turn, we draw a line behind our wager, we're surrendering our hand, they take our card, they take half of our money and hand us the other half of our money outside the circle, it's our money back. That's a lot of background. But with that understanding of the rules, we can dig into VCGD's question, which is, when using TRG Wagering System 1, how do you handle the money lost as a result of the surrender? Do you treat that hand that you surrendered as a push or a loss? And if it's a loss, what do you do with the next wager? If it's a push, what do you do with the next wager? Quick refresher on the wagering system to show why this question matters. Let's use our standard $10 unit size as, as what we're wagering. So we bet $10 and lose. And the next bet in TRG, TRG Wagering System 1 is a two-unit bet, a, a $20 wager. If you lose that bet, you move to a four-and-a-half-unit wager. If you win that four-and-a-half-unit wager, you have a profit for the three wagers you've made, and you return to a $10 wager on the next hand. And if you lose that four-and-a-half-unit wager, you, you exit the table. Generally speaking, there's an option for one more hand, but generally your best choice there is, is to exit. But what if you get a 10 and a 6, and the dealer has a 10 showing, and surrender is allowed when you have that, that second bet, that $20 bet out? You surrender, you lose 10 of the $20 you wagered. From a wagering system point of view, you can't treat this as a win. You didn't win anything. You can treat it as a push and repeat your two-unit bet on the next hand. Or you can treat it as a loss and make your next bet a four-and-a-half-unit bet. You could even also treat it as a loss and include that $10 amount, the amount that you just lost, in your next wager. You could make, in this example, a five-and-a-half-unit bet next. That's a very aggressive approach to this. One of the things I try to avoid with TRG Wagering System 1 is putting a player in a situation where they make a bet that their bankroll can't handle. Blowing up your bankroll is the one thing that puts you out of the game of casino gambling. It puts you out of the game of blackjack. It puts you out of the game of baccarat. It puts you out of the game of slots. It puts you out of the game of casino gambling if you blow up your bankroll to the point where you really can't gamble anymore. So I don't like moving up to a five and a half unit bet after a surrender in this particular situation. Just like I don't recommend calculating the amount lost if you split or double and lose multiple wagers into what the next wager will be. I've said that in the past. 
if you have a $20 wager and you get a pair of eights and you split and you get a two and you double your 10 and you end up losing three bets, I don't recommend calculating that into the next bet. It's just going to make a mess. It's just going to blow up your bankroll. Instead, I've told you in the past, if that happens, shrug it off, make the four and a half unit bet. Hopefully you win it and you get back to your 10 unit wager and you just start building again. So in this situation where we've surrendered, much like that double and split, the next bet is just what the next bet would have been without the doubles, without the splits, or in this case, without the surrender. So I never recommend that third choice. That's just not me. That's not what I do. And frankly, if that's going to be you and what you do, that's a great thing. But you need to make your bankroll bigger. You need to make your bankroll for the table bigger, and you need to make your bankroll for your gambling session, your gambling process bigger because that's a very aggressive move and the normal bankroll calculations i've given you 10 units wager size times 10 units times three tables it's going to be need to be bigger than that because you're going to be aggressively putting more money on the table and i recognize that some people want to be more aggressive and make that wager fine cool i'm not telling you what to do i'm just telling you how to do it successfully add a lot more money to your bankroll of the other two options, treating a surrender as a push and repeating the previous wager is a more conservative option than making the next bet in the negative progression. Treating the surrender like a push also keeps you in the game longer over the course of time. I prefer that option to hitting my negative exit more quickly in the name of a one-half or one-unit loss. At our home casino, we've been playing surrenders as pushes not as losses, and we're not seeing a significant impact on our results. We have been using this option. That's why this is such a great question. Having said all that, I think any of these answers can be correct depending on your approach. If you're an aggressive gambler, treat it as a loss, if that fits your personality better. But the thing I strongly recommend, that I can't recommend enough, is doing exactly what Virginia Casino Gambler Doug is doing by asking the question. He is deciding what his strategy will be before he gets to the casino. I always consider that a casino combat best practice. Decide before you are in the situation and do what you decided every single time. If you do something regularly for six months or a year and don't like the results, make a change and test it for another six months or a year. Remember casino wisdom number 58. Luck is just the intersection of opportunity and preparation. Knowing surrender is an option and making a plan to handle the wager following a surrender is an excellent example of being prepared. Obviously, this is both an advanced question and an excellent question for all of us to consider and be aware of. VCGD, I hope you have an opportunity to use your excellent preparation in Atlantic City, and I can't wait to hear your results. I can't wait to hear how your trip went. I hope it went great. Next up, a core concept segment where we see that understanding a core concept backwards as well as forward is important and useful. One of the core concepts of casino combat is have a bankroll of money you can afford to lose that is large enough for the size bet you choose to make. And I've always presented this from the front to the back. For example, if you're choosing a wager size of $25 and the game of blackjack is what you're going to play, you need a bankroll of money you can afford to lose that is 25 times 10 hands, 
that's your table buy-in, times three tables to have a reasonable chance of having a winning afternoon in a casino. So for a unit, so for a $25 unit size, you need $750 minimum. That's $750 of your own money, not borrowed money, and that $750 that if it's gone, you can still pay all your bills. Now, for some of you, this may be obvious, but I thought I should look at this from the point of view of the bankroll, not the point of view of the size wager you're deciding to make. Suppose you decide you're going to gamble for profit, not for entertainment. I mean, a bankroll to use for entertainment gambling is pretty easy. You decide to go gambling. Maybe somebody said, hey, you know, we're going out. Do you want to go to the casino with us? And you say, okay, yeah. So you decide you can afford to lose $200. And you're gambling for entertainment. You're not gambling to win. You're not gambling to make money. You can gamble it in whatever way seems fun until it's gone. You can run it in a $20 slot machine, boom, 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 just a few spins and be done. You can play $5 roulette with it and see how many, how many free beers you can get. You're just having fun till it's gone or until you win a really large amount of money or until it's time to leave for whatever reason. You know, Susie got sick and threw up in the bathroom. Now it's time to go home or everybody's broken. It's time to go home or it's 1 a.m. and everybody's exhausted. It's time to go home, whatever. But if you're going to gamble for profit, you need staying power. You need a decent chance of not losing your entire bankroll because that ends the process of gambling for profit. If that's the case and you've looked at your finances and $200 is the bankroll of unborrowed money that you can afford to lose, that chooses for you the size of wager you are going to make. It's not about you choosing the wager size at all. In this case, we do the calculation the other way. $200 divided by 3 for 3 tables and then that number divided by 10 to get the unit size, to get the size wager that your bankroll has chosen for you. So $200 divided by 3 is a table buy-in of $66.66, and that number divided by 10 for 10 bets is $6.66. So that's your unit size. Your unit size could be $6 because you can't bet $0.66. Cents. I should not say that. I apologize. I should not have said that at all. What I should have said was, I've never been to a casino where you can make a 66 cent bet. If you know one, I really want to hear about it. I've never, ever, ever seen that. So $6, most likely. I guess some places would let you do $6.50 if they use 50 cent pieces. But that's just awkward if you get a blackjack. Don't do that. You should probably be $5 to keep things as simple as possible at the table and give you a small cushion. So that $200 bankroll indicates a buy-in at each table of $50. And good news, doing the calculation this way, you actually have enough money available to play four tables if you need to. And actually, it's probably five or six because if you play the way I've talked about playing, most of the time you're going to leave the table with some money. Even if you just lose, 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 boom, out, you're going to have some money left and you're probably not going to do that you may win a hand win a couple hands win, you know lose lose one win uh, win one now you made a profit because you're gambling the way i've showed you with the wagering systems i've taught you then you hit that three unit loss and you leave with part of the money that you started with this amount of money works if you have that five dollar table you can do casino combat with this bankroll the bankroll you can afford to lose tells you your wager size is five dollars if you're gambling for a profit using the core concepts of casino combat, you find a $5 blackjack game, and if you do, you're all set. And if you don't, you don't play. 
as I said, for some this is intuitive, but it struck me a few weeks ago that I had never laid it out for you that way. I've never shown it to you from the other direction. The bankroll choosing the wager size instead of the wager size chosen indicating the bankroll. So I wanted to walk through it all that way. I wanted to share that point of view and perspective with you. No traveler gambling last week. So let's finish up with a fun Atlantic City blackjack story in the VIP lounge. And as I said, there is a tricky little technique here. There's a tricky little advanced tip in this. So stick around if you're going to ask stories. I don't really like his stories. You may like this trick. I won't take too much of your time to show it to you. Oh, a little bit of the bubbly. Come on in, everyone. If this is your first time, this is how things work. This is time with friends, just like in a casino VIP lounge with sips and a story or two. Sometimes results because I only share my results with friends. I only share my results with real friends. So sometimes we do that in the VIP lounge. So for the sake of theater of the mind, our VIP lounge always has the best alcoholic everything, as well as both pop and soda, depending on what part of the country you live in, and at least two kinds of water still and sparkling. In fact, if you're nice, we will also have sparkling water with flavors, which is actually one of the young squire's favorite things, as strange as that is to me. <laughs> And I'm actually going to be soda guy today as a change of pace. Uh, I've got some some great craft root beer here, and I'm going to pop one of those open. And uh, I encourage you to push pause and pour yourself a little something and have a sip along with this story. Because these stories are best told in the VIP lounge, and, and this is where we do that. Pre-pandemic, and hopefully very, very soon in the near future, post-pandemic, Mrs. TRG and I were often fortunate in the past to be invited to fly to Atlantic City on a chartered plane as a guest of Caesars Entertainment. We did that on many occasions. We would take several trips a year to enjoy the boardwalk and the restaurants and gambling. Just a wonderful way to get there and get back. And at that time, the Bally's Casino was still a Caesars property. It's not anymore. It changed hands recently. And we'd gambled there very, very often because it was right next door to Caesars. So we had two different places to gamble, two different casinos to enjoy. And one evening, we're playing blackjack at a very full, very busy table with two side bets, which made the dealer's job very hectic. Uh, just She had a lot going on. She had a lot to do. Deal the cards, then check all the side bets. There's just a lot going on every hand. I'm playing the very first spot. I'm on the dealer's left. And as the cards are handed out, I receive a pair of eights, and the dealer has a seven showing. The first thing the dealer did was check all the side bets, and on her right-hand side, opposite me, there are several winning side bets and some change that needs to be made. So her back is turned to me. She's not seeing me when I match my four-and-a-half unit wager with a second four-and-a-half unit to split my eights against her seven because that's what basic strategy says you do to win as much money as possible when playing blackjack. If you're familiar with TRG wagering strategy one, you know that losing a four and a half unit bet almost always means leaving the table and that lo losing a four and a half unit bet times two on a double or split, it's going to be a table exit and most likely an expensive losing exit at that. So this is an important hand. When the dealer's ready for me to play my hand, you know, she turns back to me. She sees my second bet placed out there in the correct place. She assumes and correctly assumes that I intend to split my eights. She moves the two cards away from each other to create two hands and quickly puts a five on my first eight. Obviously, I'm not thrilled. This is not the hand that I want, but oh well. And she's waiting for me to indicate if I want to hit 
or stay on my 13 against a dealer's 7. She's waiting for a hand signal. And I try to be funny. I, I try to make a joke. And I say, I didn't make a hand signal. What if I wanted to double? And just to shine some light on that, if you're, if you're not a blackjack player, normally a player is required to show the dealer, and more importantly, the cameras, one finger if they want to double, or two fingers spread apart if they want to split. Usually, if they don't do that, a dealer will ask for a signal. The cameras don't have microphones, and security needs to know what the player is going to do. But this dealer was busy and very good at her job, and she made the logical assumption that I wanted to split my eights. Full disclosure, I used to tell this joke multiple times a year in a similar situation, and every time the dealer would say, yeah, right, you wanted to double your hard 18 against a 7, and the game would continue. But that didn't happen here. This dealer didn't handle this the right way. This dealer was a professional. She was good at her job. She looks shocked. She looks a little bit stunned. And she says, you're right. I didn't get a hand signal. Floor? Floor? I said, no, 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 no. It was a joke. I was kidding. And she says, you were right. I didn't get a signal. We need to do this the right way. So the floor comes over. She explains the entire situation. I put my bed out while she was doing other things. She assumed a split. She didn't get a signal, etc., 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 etc. So the floor tells her to pull the card back to the shoe face down. Now, we all saw the card. It was laying there on the table for three, four, five minutes, right? But So she, he tells her to pull the card back to the shoe and put it face down and put my two cards back as one hand. And I'm, I'm just speechless stunned at this point just amazed he says sir you placed a second bet we need a signal for the cameras so we know if you want to double or split i, I felt terrible but not terrible enough to not play for a profit i indicated i intended to double and take one card with the correct gesture the floor told me told the dealer to give me one card which she placed sideways across my two cards because that's the proper procedure when a double is occurring to show the cameras that a double has happened and now I have a total of 21, right? I have a six, an eight and eight, 16, a five, 21. I won the hand versus her 17 total. I don't remember how it would have turned out if I'd have done it the other way. But I won nine units, nine units on one hand. The floor left. I apologized again. I gave the dealer a nice tip. And she said, you know the rules. You ask me to follow the rules. It's not my money. Good on you. I tipped her several more times during the session, and of course, that was the hand that decided the evening. We finished with a long session and a nice win, which set up a nice win for the trip. It all came down to that one hand, that one joke, and one very honest dealer willing to do the right thing, even though I was just joking around and being kind of a drunk idiot. But being honest with you, I still feel bad about that one. I rarely tell that joke anymore when the situation occurs, and it still occurs regularly. Now I tell the joke differently by saying, ah, I should have doubled instead of split. <laughs> Regardless of whether the dealer asked for a signal or not, that's what I do. I've said before, in my youth, I read dozens of books about heroes and crooks and learned much from both of their styles. In this case, I prefer to avoid the crook side. So I try not to create that situation again as profitable as it was. Maybe I'm a schmuck for not trying to use that technique again. So, if you're inclined to play the crook side... I've just shown you a technique that you can look for to exploit the casino. Don't make a gesture in that situation unless one is requested. If you could split or double and you don't get asked for a gesture, 
don't make one. If the dealer assumes and the first assumes what you want to do and the first card isn't to your liking, indicate you didn't make a signal and that you intended the opposite. You're probably going to get refused more often than things are going to get changed. And if you get away with it, the dealer will probably make sure you always signal going forward. But there you have it. I teach what I know. You decide what to do with it. You decide if you want to be on the hero or the crook side of this one. But if you want a tricky little technique, I just showed you a way to alter your behavior and maybe alter your results. If you're playing the casino chip game, there are nine in this week's episode of the podcast. Nine total beginning to end. Please tip your waitresses, tip your bartenders, tip your dealers. Remember your casino wisdoms. Don't tip away your wins. I have spoken. Everything you heard here is true from a certain point of view. It's time for leaving, and I hope you understand I was born a rambling man. Love it, hate it, it don't matter. Please share with your family and friends. Goodbye, folks. Thanks for listening, everyone. Thanks for being here.